When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to TFL Talking Trucks Podcast. That's right, folks. You've come to the right place if you want entertainment, trucks, and sexy men all at the same time. Wow, I wouldn't say sexy. Come on, maybe, keep maybe going. Ha- handsome? Just, just, okay, handsome. Okay, okay handsome. Uh, on this show, Nathan, I want to ask a question. How do I know that I am a true pickup truck guy or gal? Very simple answer. You answer our quiz. That's right. We have a quiz that's coming up. For those of you who couldn't see, I held up a piece of paper. And that piece of paper has several questions on it. And we're going to be throwing a quiz at you guys. Now, what we're asking uh, when we do start this quiz is that you put down your answers. And please try to avoid using, oh, I don't know, the internet. Um, Use your own knowledge and see if you can answer these questions. Test yourself. Um, And we want to make this fun. This is not, you know, we're not in school. We're not in college. But here's what we found, right? Uh, Trucks and trailers and towing and going off-road and pickup trucks is kind of a, you know, responsibility. Because if you're hauling heavy, uh, if you're watching this, you can see behind me, uh, we have a military vehicle, which is a half track from World War II right. that we used to tow on a gooseneck trailer. Yeah. You have a lot of weight. You need to know some knowledge. You need to have some understanding of what you're doing, how heavy you're towing, and what you need to do to be safe. Can I tell them why we, this whole thing started? Or should we do the Patreon first and then talk about why? Yes, we so this? we need to talk about why. Also, we want to make it fun. We want you to add questions to this list. Mm-hmm. And this is part one. Yes. Because next week on our next show, we're going to read all of your comments, as many as we can. Right. And give you kind of the answers. Right. And on top of that, we're going to explain some of the answers. And some of them have more than one answer to them, which yes. is kind of the cool part, too. Which is why we want your feedback. And we want creativity, damn it. Yes. So, first of all, before we move on, we want to thank Patreon.com supporters. That's right. Uh, Patreon.com slash TFLcar is our only page for all of our eight channels and podcasts and websites. Uh, And recently, we had some good support, for example, from Ellen Young. So, Ellen Young is actually from Canada. He writes a message here. Uh, thanks, Andre and team, for the introduction. I'm just watching uh, the November 26th show. Okay, so he's just watching the previous show. Uh, he says he's from Ontario, Canada, Niagara region, and he would like a sticker or a hat uh, to show some appreciation for us. So this is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. And we will try to make that happen. Yes. Uh, you can't have the hat that I'm wearing currently because it has sweat stains on it. That's extra. 
that that would cost <laughs> you another membership. No, 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 we're just kidding. But no, thank you. But very there much is an easy support. way for me to send you a sticker. So uh, we'll talk on Patreon.com, which is an excellent way to converse and uh, provide feedback and talk. It's the most direct way to communicate with us. Now, we do answer questions, of course, that are, when we can, that are emailed and also on some of our videos and whatnot. But for the most part, if you are on Patreon, you can talk directly to us and we will give you direct answers. You get email answers, we'll read your questions here live, well, somewhat live, and we'll be able to communicate with you directly. Yes. And of course, I'm, I'm pulling up a few images of our previous uh, towing runs, especially on the iGauntlet. Mm. World's toughest towing test. Are there any more uh, for the Patreon or we're going to move on? Because I, I do need That's to do... it. That's okay. it. So let me explain one of the reasons why we decided to do this. And it actually has to do with the current batch of Car of the Year, World Car of the Year, all these other things that are out there. And we began to notice that there were an awful lot of people out there, automotive journalists or people who call themselves automotive journalists, who honestly and truly do not understand or haven't had experience with towing or off-road vehicles. And these are two things that if you're calling yourself an expert, you really need to know at least the basics. So, Or, uh, or the expertise or experience. Or experience. Yeah. Or being willing to say, hey, I don't know, and then learn it, and learn it from a guru like Andre. Or uh, Occasionally. But the point is, is that, and we admit when we make mistakes, but we also try to learn from them. An awful lot of people out there will jump in a car and say, hey, it's a nice car to drive, and then they're an expert. What we try to do here at TFL, both with TFL Truck, TFL Off-Road, is really go into the weeds when it comes to the safety and the proper protocols needed in order to drive these vehicles the proper way. So I wanted to throw that out there because, once again, there are an awful lot of people out there who honestly do not know. And... You're more than welcome to, you know, have a counter opinion, but you'd be wrong. So here's the, the reason why we did this test, yes. because we wanted to see whether or not you guys were on the same page as us. And that's why I wanted to throw these out there. So that's really the reason why totally. we started this. And so we came up with almost about 20 questions. Mm -hmm. We can go through them pretty quickly. You also have some questions on your phone. I've, right? I've got a few bonus questions yeah. on there too. So here's, here's what we're talking about. Let's do the first one. Right. Now, we're not answering these as we read them. We're going to throw them out there and maybe a little commentary. Yes. And then we will uh, read your responses. Yes. So this is kind of a two-way street. Next week. Right. So there's two ways to respond to us. If you're watching this on YouTube... Please use the comment section below. Right. Um, we sometimes have trouble to read all of our comments on our like Apple podcasts. Mm -hmm. So instead, you could also email us, ask at tfltruck.com. Um, it's an easy way to send us a note. They will go directly to them. Uh, yes. Um, uh, most of our team is on that alias. Uh, mm -hmm. We see those uh, responses. So you can email us some uh, your answers yep. or just go directly to YouTube and also put them there. Yeah. And oh, one other thing, and we'll probably ask this on part two, uh, other questions that you guys might want to throw out there in a future podcast. Which And we want to distill this, right? Yes. Maybe in, in the end, this will be like 15 questions distilled with your help yep. to get to the core of a truck guru. Correct, Amundo. Yes. So should we start? Yeah. So first one. Okay, the first one is, what are the differences between medium-duty, mid-size, and full-size trucks? Now, we know that's a relatively easy question, but you'd be surprised how so many people don't really know. And yeah. um, 
to add to that, there's actually a, another category of truck, too, nowadays. Yeah, uh, we could say compact. Compact truck. We could say heavy-duty pickup. Mm-hmm. And what we're basically getting to is kind of terminology, right? That is correct. Because some terminology uh, uh, comes from the past. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to look back 30, 40, 50 years with some of these names. You know, there are origins of some of these names. Back when Roman was in high school. Uh, right. Exactly. So uh, that's the first question. Basically, what's the difference between medium-duty, mid-size, or full-size? What's the second question? Second question is, which axle ratio is best for efficiency and which is better for towing? Now, for those of you who need a refresher, axle ratios are determined by certain components in the vehicle that rotate and how efficient they can be and or how torquey they can be, I think is the way to put it. Yeah. And by the way, some of these will be simple mm-hmm. questions and then they'll, they'll get progressively harder. We are harder. progressively making them a little yeah. bit harder. And of course, you know, we all know the rear a solid axle. Mm-hmm. It hangs in the back there of your truck and the differential, like you said, um, matters greatly it does both uh, yeah and we will cover there's a second component to that question that will come up a little bit later on um okay what does the tow haul mode actually do not all trucks have this yes i should we should put that and please don't answer it toes and hauls yeah well actually it's a really good answer (laughs) Um, (laughs) or maybe do that yeah but just explain what it does that's all explain it explain it to to andre and i as if we're roman okay let's move on (laughs) Do you want to actually read one of your questions? Yeah, because why not? You have, you have a couple of good ones uh, to add uh, to this as well. By the time we finish doing this podcast, Roman's going to break into this room and... He'll go uh, silverback. He'll go silverback. He'll gorilla on Right. Us. And you know, the problem is he's going to take it all out on you. Well, uh, that's fine. <laughs> Should uh, I do my next one? Or uh, here we go. Here? I'm, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Um, name four types of braking systems that are used on trailers. Uh-huh. So not all so, trailers have the same braking system. And now, so we're progressively getting a little bit harder. A little bit harder. Because four braking systems, that's very important. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, just just explain what they are and what they do and how they work. Okay. Should I we... have another one related to this. Braking, right? Mm-hmm. What, how does an exhaust brake work? Mm. So that's... certain vehicles have exhaust brakes. They do. And you'd be surprised at which ones do and which ones did. And uh, this is a kind of a together in the same question. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the difference between a full exhaust brake or an automatic exhaust brake? Because some vehicles, some manufacturers do have a differentiation between the different types of exhaust brake. A worthy question, my friend. Okay. Okay. Um, what are the pros and cons of a ch- of a? Let me try that again. <laughs> what are the pros and cons of a C-channel frame versus a fully boxed frame? Now, this is actually a question filled with controversy. Yes, so that's why I think we can get some interesting answers. Right, I because, think both sides of it we can get. Yeah, some people really prefer one versus mm-hmm. the other, and or think you know one is better, or, or they like to mix up the two. Yeah. Do you want to go f- to one of yours? Sure. While uh, we're doing that, um, I can l- I can look this up too uh, on my list. Yeah, please do. W- uh, so the next one on my list here: What percentage of the total trailer's weight should be on the truck's hitch for a properly loaded conventional trailer? Now you are referring to percentage, right? Percentage. Yes. Right. Okay. Percentage. What would be the ideal percentage that you want to put onto the truck versus the total weight of your trailer? That is an important question. And this, I, I'm going to give Andre and Mr. Truck credit here. They're one of the first to actually really shine a spotlight on that when other people absolutely could give a crap about that. 
these guys were doing that and, and more. And here's a hint. Mm. Um, a lot of, actually, I think all manufacturers now put this in their owner's manual. Yes. And also newer pickup trucks and SUVs and many other vehicles have now digital SUV, uh, owner's manuals. Yes. Usually you can access it through the infotainment system on your truck. I really wish they wouldn't do that. Or at least have a paper uh, backup, but that's a whole different thing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's paper people and there's digital people. Mm. Well, I'm both. Yes. Uh, go, Th there you go. Both ways. Okay. okay. Um, this actually is sort of related to that. What is the first thing you should do when you are connecting or disconnecting your trailer? The very first thing you should do. Uh, get a soda. Oh, I'm answering. No, I'm sorry. You're not supposed to answer. Okay. You just gave it away. We got to start all over. Okay, all right. let's go to the next question. Okay, the next question is also a percentage question. What percentage of the total trailer's weight should be on the truck's hitch for a properly loaded fifth wheel or a gooseneck trailer mm. versus a conventional trailer? Fifth wheel or gooseneck? This is a question I did not know the answer to until I was well into my 30s. I kid you not. I honestly did not know. So... For those of you out there. And a follow-up, if I may. Yes. What is the difference between the fifth wheel and the gooseneck? Is it the neck? What is it? Well, don't, don't, don't okay. give them anything else. That's enough. I'm sorry. Now you guys got kind of two in one to answer. And by the way, answer a group of your favorite questions. By all means. Yeah. You, you don't have to be too specific if you don't want to, but just try to refer to what we were talking about so we know when we're reading it. Okay. Now, this one should be easy-ish in terms of identifying because it's a very different type of question, and it has to do with your grip. All right. Here's the question. Why should you not have a death grip on the steering wheel when you are off-roading? Now, for some of you out there, you're going to be like, well, this is old. New stuff doesn't refer to this. Actually, it kind of sort of does. So in other words, why should you not grip the steering wheel with these? Your thumbs, when you're doing off-roading, should have a different type of grip. A good grip, but one that does not involve your thumbs. It is important. Yeah, why? And, yeah, why? Yeah, why well, is I the question? I, I, yeah, why is no, the no, question? that's the question, right? Yeah, that is the question. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. What can happen if the trailer weight is improperly distributed? So we've been talking uh, about percentages, right? Yes. So why does that percentage matter? That's the follow-up question. What can happen if the trailer weight is improperly distributed? I wish I could answer that right now because it's a great answer. Yeah. So that's what you guys need to answer. And it's a worthwhile one. Yes. So while you're looking up your next one, yes, please. let me change the image here because I kind of want to switch it up. Oh, that image is great. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, what we, what we do at TFL, um, among all the things that we do, we don't like to just do a simple video and throw it out there to you guys. We like to edit it, and we like to make sure the background looks good and that everything's prepared. This is all very important to us, uh, high-quality videos when we can do them. So having that military rig and then later on doing this power wagon when, with extra water totes, and that was actually a very entertaining one, watching uh, certain people converse about where the weight should be distributed on that particular yeah. project. So if you if you cannot see this image, we're basically showing a dually truck that's kind of out of the frame, uh, hooked up to um, a trailer, a very large one, a very heavy-duty one, and we uh, loaded it up with two giant water totes in the front, and in the back is a Ram power wagon actually sitting on top of the trailer. Which is about 7,000 pounds in itself. Yeah, and we put water, and look, there's a hose going up into the Ram. And, and it's freezing cold outside, so, too. So, dude, I cannot believe 
We haven't done this in a while. No. But I cannot believe the lengths we used to go to. Because, you know, over You would the, wake up at time, like 5 a.m. to get started. Yeah, and I would wake up Mr. Truck. I would go to his house. I'd bang on his door. And he's like, why are you waking me up? <laughs> you know what he used to say? I don't really uh, want... Is it so safe? It's, it's PG. Okay. He said, he said, the roosters are not up yet. <laughs> That's what he would tell me. Boy, that works on several different levels. Um, okay, so let's let's get to the next question. Oh, c- can I just move on for, for a little bit oh, more yeah. on this? Um, so what we used to do, we used water totes. We used uh, trailers and trucks mm-hmm. and water barrels. And we did it in the winter. As you can see, there's snow on the ground. Water would freeze. We would put blankets on the water. We would, we would you know, hug our barrels. You know, yeah. We did a lot of things. But I've learned over the years that I have to work smarter sometimes, mm-hmm. not harder. So that's why the half track was also used because we could move one vehicle instead of moving vehicle 10 water totes. With water totes and yeah. bricks and bricks, bricks uh, and... mats, you know, oh, uh, yeah. rubber mats. Which are impossible. Th- those were a pain. Especially when it was cold. Yes, because it's hard to grip, right? Those yeah. rubber mats. And the they're force, really heavy. Yeah, they're about 85 to 90 pounds a piece. Yeah, and it's just, it's not as easy as just taking a regular floor mat and throwing it on So something. from now on, we'll be doing heavy duty testing, by the way, next year mm-hmm. coming up because. Uh, Ford has a new Super Duty. Yes. Uh, GM has new generation of pickup trucks right. for heavy duties. So we'll be using them for heavy tow testing, mm-hmm. and we'll be using some heavy construction equipment to, which, to, which as is, a weight. Which is dense material, yeah. and it's so much and, easier. And it's powered. They have their own engines, <laughs> and they can crawl up a trailer. Without lighting people on fire by... Yeah. <sighs> that, was, that was such a bad idea. Okay. Okay. So let's uh, move on. You want to hit your question, then I'll hit mine? Yeah. List some of the items you must check before leaving on a trip with a truck and trailer. So this kind of goes along with your earlier question. Yeah, and a later question I have coming up too. So your first question was, what, what's the first thing you do when unhooking or hooking up a trailer? Right. But there's also a list you want to go over. Absolutely. Why? Well, for example, um, I, I do have a CDL. Right. right. And pre-trip inspection is drilled into your head. Right, but don't go over any of the details there. No, I won't. Away the answer. No, I won't. Yeah. But I just wanted to make a point that that was the hardest point of the actual test mm-hmm. when you test for a commercial driver's license. Because literally, and we're not asking for 100 items to list, just, just a few. There were 100 points you yes. had to talk about with the instructor listening to you. And that's that's not easy. Well, in California, I had yeah. a... I had a um, commercial license as well, and I could drive buses and pick uh, uh, large tow trucks and what have you. And even back then, especially if air brakes, ugh, the air brakes thing back in the day was such a pain in the ass in order to change that, fix that, figure it out, blah, blah, blah. But I can't go into the details. Okay. But I can go into the next question. Now, this question goes back to four-wheel drive, driving, four-wheel drive, driving, off-road driving, but it's also kind of sort of bounces off yours. And that is, what's the first thing you should do when you're setting out on a solo off-road adventure? Solo? Solo. Like Han Solo. You really went there, Andre? Bad humor. I'm sorry. Bad humor. I apologize. No, that's all right. I I do apologize. Although, you know, the reference now works now that they've cleared that up. So, (laughs) well, it really does. Um, So, yeah, what is the first thing you should do when you're doing a solo by yourself, just your lonesome, off-road trip. Okay. Okay. So let's keep going. So over here on our list, next question is, what is the difference between a 3500 or a 350 dually pickup truck? 
and the 5500 or 550 dually truck other than its payload towing or weight classification. Mm. There's one particular difference. I'm trying to... I'm trying to make it more, more difficult. Yeah, you are making it more so, difficult, but so you're also looking for something rather specific. Yeah, this is a specific question. There's the the 350s, 3500 3, dualies. Mm -hmm. There's something underneath that's quite different on the 5500 truck. Don't say anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a giveaway. What's your next one? Okay. What is the typical load range rating on a 2500 series or a 3500 series heavy-duty pickup truck tire? So this is something that now we're starting to get into the weeds or into the uh, inside baseball. A lot of you guys, when I mean you guys, I mean like the early people who have not quite driven a lot of these commercially, don't realize that the tires have certain ratings on them, especially when you get to a certain level. For weight. Level. For right. weight specifically. Specifically for weight. So yeah. we want to go there. Yeah. So and basically this question has to do with heavy-duty trucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about some others already. Yeah. And, um, and this is important because uh, this is a good example. We recently did the winter tire test. Yes. Uh, with snow rated all-terrain tires versus uh, regular all-terrain tires versus mm -hmm. regular tires. And uh, even you guys in the video asked, oh, by the way, did you look at what load range ratings you had? Because if you underrate your tires on a big truck, it's a safety concern, right? You're it's absolutely right. It's a safety right. issue. Yeah. yeah. So that's nice. Absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to your next one, which is... Uh, when should you air down your tires when going off-road, and what benefits does this provide? Wonderful question, and one that actually a lot of you guys have thrown at us, because there have been a lot of videos where we do air down and some that we don't. And, and you, you ask guys, us why, you or you us tell why. us to do it or yeah, not do or it. Or you yell at us and say bad things about our parents. Um, I want to bounce off that question with my last question that's coming from my phone. That way I don't have to look away at my phone all the time. What kind of axle ratio is ideal for many off-road vehicles? Not necessarily all, but for many. In terms of popularity, in terms of what, you know, and, and you'd, you'd be... Uh, Doing your research, you guys should be able to figure that out. Once again, some of you guys already know off the top of your head. So there it is. Okay, next yes. one. Um, how do you find the proper tire inflation pressure for your particular pickup truck? Ah. That has to do, of course, with air down or mm -hmm. airing back up, right? How do you know which pressure to choose? Or where is it written? It's written somewhere. It is written. And it is written, so shall it be read. Um, on a tablet. <laughs> on a tablet. I mean, a stone tablet. <laughs> you shall. This is what you will follow. I have 15. No, 10 commandments. Oh, God. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Getting uh, religious. Okay. I think we're getting punchy. Yes. Uh, the next question is, and we're almost, almost there, for our truck guru core enthusiast pickup truck test. That's right. What are the hitch shank and ball sizes available across all of the pickup trucks available on sale in the United States? Can you repeat that? What are the hitch shank and ball sizes available across all the pickup trucks in uh, the United States? That just made this whole thing worthwhile. What, because, what well, you did it with a straight face, too. That's awesome. I tried. <laughs> you did a great job. Um, okay, that's a great question. Well, so, because there are different size hitches, receivers, I'm balls. Not, yes. You see what I'm saying? I do. And they all have ratings, and they all have a need. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> they do have a need. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, how heavy does a trailer have to be that a weight distribution hitch is recommended? This is actually a really good question. And there's an awful lot of people out there who have asked this question of us because some people are new to, to towing a trailer or new to weight distributing hitches. Yeah. And this has to do really with, um, you know, large trailers can sway, right? Even how many, ones. how many, yes. How many times have you seen, you know, just a video pop up? It doesn't matter which platform you're on, mm -hmm. but there's a highway and there's a dash cam and there's a vehicle in front that starts to violently sway mm -hmm. and awful things happen. That is, it turns over, it flips over it the flips trailer. It flips the car over sometimes. The, it flips the vehicle right? over, it flips the trailer. You want to avoid those things, obviously. So well, that's one of the many uh, aspects of the, the hitch itself, but we wanted to, to get, be specific about it because there are weights that it sort of becomes recommended. Let's get to the last question. Yeah. What can happen when you overload a truck and it's, and it's riding on bump stops? Mm. And what are bump stops? Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. There you go. We've tried our best not to completely give away the answers when we ask the questions. A few of them, I think we kind of sort of touched no, the no, no, no. Uh, I think we're okay. We're okay. But, um, and so this is all to you guys now. It's down to you. We want to be interactive with this. And so not only do we want your answers, and once again, it would be awesome if you guys could try to avoid using the internet and try to use your own knowledge. Um, there's no way we can prove it. By the way, there's absolutely no prize for this other than that we might read your name and yes. call you awesome, that, that, which is a prize in itself. Yeah, and we'll read your handle if it's PG-13. Yes. Uh, your, your username. You're going to PG-13. Oh, we're moving up. Are we? Yeah, oh, that's finally. Yay. We're not R-rated here. <laughs> no, usually. No, we're, we, we try not to be. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we want to know that, but also we want to know if there's additional questions that you guys want to throw into the mix for people who are into towing and off-roading and perhaps things that they really should know. So please, in your answers below, add that. Yes, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we hope to read some fun answers, mm -hmm. um, some creative answers. I, I want to hit. I want to cl close out with a bit of news. Okay, go for right, it. So, so there is quite a bit of truck news. Of course, is happening uh, throughout throughout the world. Um, so, for example, recently. I mentioned the tire test mm -hmm. uh, that we did. Uh, so that's a video uh, we did. Which was a really well-produced video. The guys did a fantastic job. That's, it's really hard to do stuff like that. Uh, we talked about your purchase of a pickup truck. You, you got a little compact. I, I bought a pickup. I don't call it a truck because okay. people scream and yell. Little uh, truck. Widow truck. Yes. Uh, also, uh, we recently got a message. Um, I believe it was just on our email, um, Ask a TFL Truck. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this message came from Bill. Yeah, and Bill recently purchased the GMC Sierra oh, truck. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this has been happening throughout the industry. This is not just GM, usually an issue. No, it's here. almost every automaker has some sort of problem like this. Yeah, so uh, they're selling vehicles without certain components included because of shortages. Right, and they're promising in some cases, not all cases, but they're promising, yes, you'll have that component working before too long. But. Yes, and and this actually happened to us with our Silverado ZR2 that mm -hmm. we had in our fleet uh, several months back uh, this year, where our truck did not have a heated steering wheel, but it was originally listed on the right on the sticker and right. the option list. And General Motors, we had an agreement we signed that said within about one quarter, three months or six months that steering wheel will be replaced and it will be proper, yes. right? It'll have a heating element in it and yada, yada, yada. 
well, we sold our truck, so we don't know what happened. But <laughs> Bill had the same issue. Right. Where he's been waiting upwards of 12 months for a retrofit. Mm. Um, and the retrofit is not quite coming. So this is kind of becoming an issue. Um, and I just wanted to shine a little bit of light on this. I, I don't want to dwell on this no, one. It's, it, it, no, but, but we can at least shine some light on it. And it's not just happening with trucks. It's happening with cars as well. There are quite a few vehicles that are in manufacturer lots that are just sitting there waiting for components to come. And it's not just chips, but that is definitely one of the big ones. There are a lot of other components that have uh, been slow. Actually, true story, speaking of that little pickup that I bought, one of the reasons I've been told that it was so slow was because I ordered it with a tow hitch. And I know this sounds bizarre, but tow hitches have been like pushed way back with back ordering and it's not just the metal tow hitch itself it's also the components that tie into the wiring harness so that was actually one of the reasons why it was delayed and other trucks are being delayed with those well remember like a year and or year and a half ago when the new generation nissan frontier was mm. just coming online yeah remember there was a news story that they cannot sell some of them because they don't have a hitch i know uh, which who would have thunk uh, of all the vehicles out there i mean these these trucks Trucks are built for towing. The little the, the Frontier has a proper frame, and they can tow. So it's been an issue for a lot of people. We are curious also on that, whether or not you guys out there, the viewers and the listeners, have had some issues as well. But we're hoping that this will start resolving itself. We are seeing a slight uptick in manufacturing, and hopefully that means that these problems will start to you know, maybe take care of themselves. Yeah, we also have a lot of uh, news and truck news as well happening on our TFL EV channel. That's right. Uh, for example, recently Nathan and I uh, published a video where we dove deep into which electric pickup we would spend our own money on mm -hmm. if we had to buy one, you know, very, very soon. Y yes, we did. And it's a shame he was wrong about that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I do recommend uh, watching the video. Uh, uh, Nathan was also very, very wrong. <laughs> Um, so, yes, we disagreed. Yes. Uh, we don't often disagree, but no. we do disagree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and then also, um, there's a news coming of General Motors. So, recently, there was an investor meeting, mm -hmm. and uh, President Mark Royce uh, actually mentioned that GM is not going to completely move away from internal combustion engines. Right. This was kind of a, a different tack, I would say, on the recent messaging that we received about a year ago from General Motors, Where which said, all 2030, electric. everything electric now, and right. bam. Um, I, I think it's actually a smarter strategy. I agree 100%. Yeah. And it's actually showing in a lot of, uh, some investors are showing some pleasure by this. But also keep in mind that there are other automakers that are fighting tooth and nail saying, listen, we build super efficient, super clean powertrains, specifically hybrids, and plug-in hybrids, why can't we make those? Why do we have to go to just electric vehicles? And this is what they say. And I think that this type of pushback is going to reopen some negotiations and perhaps move a few things around so that way some of these automakers don't have to strictly make nothing but electric vehicles by a certain time. That, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I say that, that they're working on it. Yeah, and there's uh, some related news coming out of California once again, mm -hmm. which um, seems to be still uh, trying to tighten on the you know emissions right. and or which vehicles they allow, for example, to come in, including commercial vehicles, which I was kind of shocked that by. Was, that was the shocking part of yeah, it. I did not expect that to happen because that in itself is going to be a really hard push, a really hard ask. Uh, for for automakers and for people who actually run businesses. Yeah, but and 
to, to, to finish the point, yeah. California has always led the way when it's come to emissions and then other states look to well, them to see how they've been affected. Well, you lived there in the 80s, right? Yeah, oh, in the yeah. 90s, in the 2000s. Yeah, well, what oh, about, well, I mean, I, I wasn't there in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I, I was back in the USSR. Uh, but, <laughs> no, that, I'm not going to sing. But, but what was the pollution like? I Terrible. mean, was that really a problem? I grew up there in the 70s. In the okay. 70s and the 80s, uh, we had pollution that was so bad that uh, we had smog alerts where kids were not allowed to go out of the classrooms and play. Just you like were a, a snow kid. Day. Yeah, when yeah. I was a kid. And um, all the schools I went through, all the way into high school, they had alerts. And, and there was a brown, nasty cloud. It looked like fog, but it was brown. And it hung over everything, and it coated everything. And people had a problem, a hard time breathing in it, especially in the San Fernando Valley where it's a basin and all that heat and everything kind of shoves everything down. It really sucked. And I can say, to be fair, Southern California especially has cleaned up their act. And nowadays, very, very little smog by comparison. They went from being one of the worst cities to one of the better, not best, but better cities out there. So a lot of their emissions have made big changes and have proven, at least with air quality, to make a difference. But we're going a step further with this stuff. We're talking yeah, about... It's you know, everything from ozone to carbon and everything and else. And NOx, NOx. Right. Yeah. And that's a whole nother level. And that's something that California may or may not get right or wrong. I like to, I'm in Colorado now, and I like <laughs> to sit back and see how California performs and especially how everybody there works through these stringent requirements. It's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I wasn't here in the 80s either. Um, but I did move to Colorado in 1992, right? And I heard, you know, stories in the 80s. Denver was very bad as was, well. Was really bad. We, yeah. They had a brown cloud as yeah, well. Yeah, And I remember, you know, getting on the highway, you know, using merge lanes on the merge um, on ramps, mm -hmm. and there would be, you know, those emission testers. Yes, yeah, the which, mobile ones. Yeah, the mobile ones right. that will give you a green light or a red light, uh -huh. depending on how you know dirty your vehicle may have been. So. So I think there's an important like root history there, mm -hmm. uh, but it's important not to get carried away too much. It, Be, well, that's the balance, isn't it? Yeah, because like Toyota originally, even a couple of years ago, when everybody said we're going 100% electric, Mr. Toyota, um, mm -hmm. uh, Akio Toyota said, you know, it's going to be a tapestry of technology, and I think he kind of saw the balance, right? the balance of it. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not trying to make this a political thing. And this is the other problem is that electrification kind of jumps the fence between what we look at, which is the engineering of it and how cars will behave in the future, to the other side of the fence, which is political. And we don't go political. We do not do right. that here at TFL, any of it. But I can say that these companies have so much might, especially Toyota, and General Motors, they are strong companies, and because of their existence, they help dictate some of that policy. So we may see changes based on what their desires are, and that in itself means that Andre and I will be reviewing very different vehicles in the future based on what they want to build, and then obviously public interest and concern. So the whole point here is that we are looking at some possible changes, so maybe things aren't set in stone. Yes, and that's a good thing. I, think I agree. It's, it's good news. And look what GM has done. They have invested heavily in the three-liter turbo diesel mm -hmm. engine in their full-size. Which is a phenomenal engine. Yeah, and they're continuing to improve it. Uh, it will be passing all of the emissions regulations that are currently in place mm -hmm. in, in all 50 states. Um, and that's goodness. It's yes. Because it's choice. 
You know, you, yes. have, you have the choice to choose either that. If you want to buy, you know, an electric Silverado, you could next it, year. Next year. Uh, or you can buy a diesel Silverado. Well, it's kind of the or same. Or a gas one. Well, whatever that's what you... Ford did, too, with the F-150. Slightly different, but Chevrolet's doing a similar type of thing where it's like, well, you can buy these different vehicles. Although, big caveat here, mm. the electric Silverado is a completely different truck as opposed to how the F-150 yes. is very similar to other F-150s, even electric. Yeah, because so, the Silverado EV is riding on a whole new Ultium chassis. Right, different right. Different platform. So skateboard, it's, it's, um, independent suspension, right, which is specifically designed for that electric platform optional midgate that folds for a giant yes. bed all that stuff and the f-150 normal and f-150 lightning uh not normal but traditional uh, internal ice. combustion yes okay. share kind of dimensions and the frame is similar so oh, well the so, sheet metal is interchangeable yeah and the sheet metal or sheet aluminum I should say. sheet aluminum <laughs> Get so to that. so there you have it uh we also have of course a controversial project on tflev which is our swap right uh churchzilla yeah. project uh, we already published two episodes. Um, this was kind of one of my projects, you know, that I was leading at mm-hmm. TFL. Um, so I'm kind of close to it. Yeah, and it aged you 10 years. You're now older than me. Do I have? Yes, so, you do. Uh, at least you still gray, have your hair. Gray hair? At least you still have your yes, hair. Yes, so thank there it you. Is. Uh, <laughs> but we will be publishing more. Yes. So uh, we, we have an off-road um, episode coming mm-hmm. with uh, our 1965 F100 Zilla EV swap. Um, and also uh, working at the farm. Mm-hmm. episode which which i'm looking forward to because uh, you know david david morrow that um uh, our happy, buddy, happy yak ranch happy yak ranch no yakadega 500 on this one though huh we didn't do yakadega but we did go for some firewood <laughs> and we <laughs> which is always an adventure at david's ranch it when really david is. says let's go get firewood it's not like you go to the corner store no, and get a bundle you're going up with a chainsaw into the hills and you yeah. cut some dead trees that are on the highway or yeah. on the road i should and say heavy <laughs> yes. Heavy trees. It's 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 actually it's quite an experience. So definitely stay tuned for that. And I think we're going to wrap this up, my friend. Sounds good. We'll really appreciate it. I hope you like this idea of a truck guru quiz. Yes. Or a pickup truck enthusiast quiz. Um, and like I said, um, we need a little bit of your help to distill that knowledge into easily kind of set of questions maybe we could do like 10 multiple questions or something like that in the future to make this a little bit easier to stomach who knows but let us know please in the comments what you think and also obviously answer these questions and try not to cheat yes and next episode is really about you yes uh, your feedback your feedback so we'll see you next time and check out oldtfl.com for everything automotive in one place adios amigos When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.